Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So, this talk today, this morning, is called the Sikha Sutta, the Three Trainings for Liberation. And this is our Eightfold Path Retreat. You know, and as John had set us up excellently yesterday, we're looking at how to practice the Eightfold Path, how to comprehend what to abandon, what to come to experience, and what to cultivate. Yesterday we learned that what we're cultivating is right view through the understanding of the Four Noble Truths and the practice of the Eightfold Path. So part of what the Sikha Sutta is, is really honing in on is this, something that John had mentioned yesterday, which phenomena are to be developed with direct knowledge and profound wisdom a calm mind and insight into the three marks of existence. So this is going to really hone in on the concentration factors of the Eightfold Path, um, which are right effort, right mindfulness, and right meditation. So let's begin. The Sikha Sutta, three trainings for liberation. The Buddha addressed those gathered. Friends, there are three trainings that I teach. I teach training in heightened virtue. I teach training in heightened concentration. I teach training in heightened wisdom. These are the three factors of the Eightfold Path. The heightened virtue, the virtuous factors, right intention, right view. Um, Excuse me, the, the wisdom factors are right intention, right view. Virtuous factors are right speech, right action, right livelihood, heightened concentration. This is the right effort, right mindfulness, right meditation. Training in heightened virtue brings restraint in speech, actions, and livelihood. This Dhamma practitioner remains pure in their behavior at all times. So restraint at the sixth sense base is the immediate application of a well-informed Dhamma practice. Buddha's words. They train themselves following these rules of behavior and understand the danger of even the slightest deviation. This is called training in heightened virtue. And I'll make a mention of this after in our um, in my commentary on this. So we'll come back to that. The training in heightened concentration, jhana, develops the concentration necessary to support refined mindfulness. This Dhamma practitioner remains secluded from sensory indulgence and unskillful mental qualities. The Buddha taught a singular meditation method for the singular purpose of deepening concentration, for deepening jhana meditation. They enter and remain in the first jhana, characterized by rapture and pleasure born of seclusion and accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. As concentration deepens further, they enter and remain in the second jhana. Focus thoughts and insights still. Delight and pleasure born of composure and inner assurance arise. As concentration deepens further, they enter and remain in the third jhana. Delight and pleasure and the perception of pleasure and pain disappear. Equanimity and refined mindfulness increases and a peaceful mind prevails. As concentration <clears throat> deepens further, they enter and remain in the fourth jhana. Mindful equanimity prevails. Greed and aversion disappear. This is the development of concentration that brings peace and calm here and now. The training in heightened wisdom brings the ending of greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. Through the ending of these defilements, the wise Dhamma practitioner remains in the defilement-free release from ignorance, ignorance of Four Noble Truths. 
wise Dhamma practitioner has established profound wisdom, fully mindful moment by moment as life occurs. This is called heightened wisdom. These are the three trainings of my Dhamma. The trainings in heightened virtue, concentration, and wisdom establish persistence, steadfastness, absorption in jhana, refined mindfulness, and wise restraint. These three trainings should be practiced consistently and in all situations with unlimited concentration. These are the three trainings that bring pure understanding. Developing these three trainings, you will be called a rightly self-awakened one who has completed the path. The cessation of ignorance of Four Noble Truths and craving for self-satisfaction extinguishes the fires of passion. It's the end of the sutta. So, I wanted to just go into something here that I think is very important. Um, all over the, the um, Sutta Pitaka, there are sort of these little adjunct suttas that go along with um, and highlight certain aspects uh, from suttas. This is called the Sikha Dubalaya Sutta. It's a very short sutta, and it's called um, what weakens the trainings? So earlier we had seen the Buddha say, um, <clears throat> they train themselves following these rules of behavior and understand the danger of even the slightest deviation. John mentioned this in the beginning yesterday, what was called the Patimoksha. And these are these rules of behavior that are taught to monks and nuns in the Vinaya Pitaka. So this this is the this is part of this Sikha Devalaya Sutta. Um, monks. These five things that weaken the training. There are five things that weaken the training. Which five? The taking of life, stealing, sexual misconduct, the telling of lies, and distilled and fermented beverages that are the cause for heedlessness. So those are the those are the rules that he's talking about. And he's saying if if we err on those, he's saying the monks and nuns, if they err on those, we can we can get into trouble. So the Buddha teaches to abandon these five things that weaken the training. One should develop the four frames of reference. Which four? The four frames of reference here are also referred to as the four foundations of mindfulness. So this is going back in time. What, what are we doing when we're training the concentration factors? What are we doing in jhana meditation? We're training the four frames of reference, the four foundations of mindfulness. So there is the case where a monk remains focused on the body in and of itself, ardent, alert, mindful, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. They remain focused on feelings in and of themselves, ardent, alert, mindful, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. They remain focused on the mind in and of itself. Ardent, alert, and mindful, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. They remain focused on mental qualities in and of themselves. Ardent, alert, mindful, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. To abandon the five things that weaken the training, one should develop these four frames of reference or these four foundations of mindfulness. So when we talk about the concentration factors and uh, right effort, right meditation, right mindfulness, we're talking about right meditation, which is jhana meditation. How do we establish jhana meditation? Through the four foundations of mindfulness. Just like we have in our instructions for meditation, 
<clears throat> As we become aware of thoughts and feelings arising and passing away, we maintain mindfulness on the arising and passing away of our breath and our body. This is just, this is the practice. That's what we practice. When we practice that way, we develop calm. When we practice that way, we develop insight into impermanence. Thoughts are arising and passing away on their own all the time. Feelings are arising and passing away on their own all the time. Sensations are arising and passing away on their own all the time. It requires self-referential grasping and clinging to attach to those thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, and make them about me. When I do that, I've lost what's, I've lost the training. No problem. Come back to the sensation of breathing in your body. That interrupts that self-centered conditioned thinking that is grasping after uh, my sensation, my emotion, my thought, my feeling. So this is part of the training. Um, the three trainings that the Buddha taught, heightened wisdom, heightened virtue, heightened concentration, are the three factors of the Eightfold Path. So we're training in the Eightfold Path. How to strengthen what we're training? Develop the four frames of reference, develop the four foundations of mindfulness when we practice jhana. Thank you. So let's let's go around and, and talk about this a little bit. Um, John, how are you doing there? What do you what do you say? I I said that was an excellent teaching, Matt. Thank you. You you really got to the heart of the matter of the, the three trainings for liberation uh, resolve in the diminishing of eye making, and you really brought that point out, and that was. Uh, Kind of key to the sutta and key to the dhamma as well. Uh, the whole the whole point of this is to stop <clears throat> trying to fabricate a uh, a fabricated self in the world and understand what it means to be a truly liberated human being without the need for um, self reference in every thought that occurs. And so you just you did a wonderful job. I'm glad I was here for that. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Karen. Happy to be here. Thank you so much, Matt. Very clear. I'm happy to say very clear. And uh, I really appreciate it. But I think it's best if I just continue to keep listening. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Always great to see you here. Thank you. Teacher Ram. Good morning. Um, I was trying to listen to this as a as someone beginning in the Dharma, and um, it came over very clear. The Sutta itself is 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 very clear, concise, and, but um, it it explains things very well. Uh, how this eightfold path, or especially the concentration factors, work, um, and your commentary after that, and, and the additional sutta is uh, was wonderful. Um, yeah, this uh, as an introduction into uh, the eightfold path. Um, this is just perfect. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Ron. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Matt. Um, very well done. Um, I, I think the beauty of, of keeping it simple um, is very helpful. And the Buddha probably did that intentionally, dealing with a lot of different people, um, you know, in, in his group. Um, and by keeping it simple, it challenges us from um, getting lost in our thoughts or our interpretation uh, of what we're hearing because there are simple instructions and it's very consistent with 
you know, this is the Eightfold Path. These are the factors of concentration. These are things to avoid. If you find yourself headed in that direction, come back to the factors of concentration and the Eightfold Path. So very consistent, excellent reminder, um, very helpful. So thank you. Thank you. Good to see you here. Andrew. Are you there? We'll come back to Andrew. Melissa, good morning. Are you there? Hi, good morning, Matt. Thank you so much for the teaching. Hi, Melissa. Um, I know that ever since I've been practicing the Dharma, my life has changed. Um, I'm much more understanding of other people and myself, and I'm able to incorporated in my daily life, which makes my life easier and everyone else's easier. So I can understand actually what's going on around me when I'm calm and when there's chaos. Mm -hmm. So it's made a big difference in my life. And I really appreciate this morning, um, the teaching that you've given. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, that sounds like you're developing exactly what is to be comprehended. Um, and experienced. That's that's what we're doing here, and, and it sounds like you're well on your way. So I'm really happy that you're here this weekend with us. Let's check back. Andrew, are you there? We'll come back to him. Jane. Jane, can you unmute yourself? I, I can't do it on my end for some reason. Brian. There you go. There you are. Good? Yes. All right. Not going to move. Um, now, I think it's very appropriate that it's um, it's called liberation, you know, liberating. Um, I mean, I know for myself, I was a prisoner of my own mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Dhamma truly was liberating. And uh, the other thing is, um, you know, I was constantly trying to analyze every thought and feeling that, that came past. And uh, the concentration has helped to understand that that is not what's to occur. It's just to be peaceful. So thank you. Thanks, Jane. Thank you, Jane. Yeah. Teacher Jen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Jen. Thank you for that teaching, Matt. Um, I'm, I'm glad that John picked this sutta early. To, to go early on in the retreat because I think a little reminder of the, the four jhanas is always helpful when you're going into a situation where you are going to be with this with the sutta I'm sorry with the sangha and able to meditate a few times a day <clears throat> to be reminded of the four jhanas so that we can hold in mind that um, I don't want to say just hold that in mind is that's enough and then and then that kind of can work on us um, throughout our retreat so I think that's valuable and then also the the fact that you just gave us the little four foundations of mindfulness refresher um, since it's really like a mechanism to and a 
a tool to always be able to to recognize what to abandon. So thank you. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, you know, every time we sit on our cushion to, to do jhana meditation, we're doing four foundations of mindfulness practice. So that's, that's how we enter jhana. So it, it, that is literally the foundation of jhana meditation. Thank you for that, Jen. Um, Becky. Good morning. Good morning, Becky. Thank you, Matt. That that was a an excellent. Well, I was going to say refresher, but for me, um, it was a more of a uh, sort of expanded understanding and a hmm. kind of a grounded overview of the Eightfold Path, which is, as Jen said, an excellent way to start out. Um, I especially liked your dividing the Eightfold Path into its major components of virtue, wisdom, and concentration. Um, I think that having that overview helps to establish it rather than making it seem like a bunch of uh like many kind of unrelated things it it puts it in a in a context which i think is very helpful but i especially liked being reminded of the four um uh steps of jhana and i find that meditating is where I sometimes really have trouble and get lost in my thoughts. Um, and I know that means just more practice is, is needed. But I do have a question about uh, the very first jhana. And that is um, uh, directed thought. I. I don't really know what to think of directed thought. Is that directed thought just being aware of the four foundations of mindfulness, just starting out being aware of what's rising, what's passing away, um, your breath and your state of mind and actually directing (coughs) your thoughts toward those four things Exactly, Becky. Um, directed thought and evaluation is, is while we're in, in four foundations of mindfulness, we're, we are aware of thoughts arising and passing. So okay. there, there is still that. Um, that opportunity to get distracted easily. Yes. Yeah, and it's not being caught up in, in the... Um, undirected rhetoric that's usually going on in our minds we're 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 literally making the decision to pay attention to what we're thinking about it that's what that's what that means okay Okay. we're we're directing our attention to our thoughts which is something most human beings never do in their entire lifetime do we we just react to our thoughts so this is it it really is that clear um contrast to how most human beings live within their own skulls without any directed thought towards what they're thinking about. And so this, the Buddha is teaching us to pay attention to what you're thinking about because that determines your, your whole life experience. And it's, it's really the, the, the very beginning of, of the meditation practice. Yes. You are just getting your intent together. You're just sitting down and you're getting your intent together. Um, there is, you're not, you're not even, you're certainly not trying to get to a different, different mind state. You are just getting your mind focused on the process here. 
Yeah. A good point, Rom. You're secluded. It's your seclusion together. You know, you you basically close the door on the rest of the, and um, and you're sitting down, and you're establishing your base. Um, and and a lot of, I and myself included, a lot of people, um, make this uh, something to 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 strive for. You're just establishing the base here. It's um, this is this is where you start. It's right. it's not basically it, this is not a big deal. Um, you you're you've got your intent together. Now I am practicing genre seclusion. Get your mind. Get these these thoughts in a bit of a train and keep your eye on them and. Then things, you know. Then the breathing, yeah. Then the breathing comes in and starts to create space between these direct thoughts. Okay. Yeah, it's it's the it's the beginning of uh, as the Buddha teaches in the Vitaka Santana Sutta of thinking what we want to think when we want to think it, meaning whatever is appropriate for this moment. We're no longer um, pushed around by reaction thoughts. We're actually thinking what is appropriate in this moment. It's a, it's a, it's the the word directed. Um, I guess it's a hard concept to understand because uh, as human beings we don't direct our thoughts, do we? We react to our thoughts. But the Buddha immediately teaches us the purpose of this of jhana meditation is to reclaim control of our thinking. Another word for that of reclaiming control of our thinking is concentration, isn't it? That's what it means. We think what we want to think when we want to think it, meaning whatever is appropriate. So it's such a it's such an important question. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank can you. I actually want to. Can I just add something? Sure, go ahead, Jen. Um, so I feel like you can think about the genres as, and I and I feel like everybody else has sort of said this, but you can think about the genres as being like a place you're arriving, or or a or hmm. a, yeah. a mind state. Yep. The quality it's, of it's mind. Not, it's always on a continuum. You're always, you know, you're in the first jhana. You're you're directing your thoughts back to your breath, and maybe your thoughts go off, and then you bring them back to your breath. So that concept of directed thought is happening. You you're you're in the process of of pulling your thoughts back to your breath, and it's occurring. That is what is occurring. And that's. That's what occurs moment by moment to an awakened human being, isn't it? it, it so the, be, the beginning foundation of the four foundations of mindfulness, the beginning of, of initially directing our thought for the, most of us for the first time in our lives is also what it means to be awakened. It's, it's really just an expansion on that first foundation of mindfulness, isn't it? But So when you look at it that way, without the first foundation... Without any foundation, there's nothing that you can build on. Mm-hmm. So that first foundation, the in, the initial entry into the four foundations of mindfulness, is so important to developing the other or the rest of the four foundations of mindfulness, isn't it? We have to begin there. We can't um, we we can't skip over anything. And it points back to what we talked about a little bit yesterday that we can't substitute another so-called meditation practice for jhana practice because it simply won't develop concentration. So. Excellent. And thank you. thank you, Jen. Thank you, Becky. That was a great question. And also, you know, I just wanted to point out that the four jhanas, this, each one, each layer is, you know, we're deepening concentration as we go from the first jhana to the second jhana to the third jhana to the fourth jhana. So as Jen said, we're, we're directing, in the first jhana, we're directing thought back to the sensation of breathing in the body. Once we get into the second and third jhana, that activity of the mind calms. And we're no longer directing thought back to the sensation of breathing. It's, we're, we, we've deepened our concentration. And we're resting in 
equanimity. When we're, when we're resting in equanimity, we're not directing thought. Uh, Matt, you, uh, that was the word I was actually thinking of was activity. And when you sit on your cushion, the fourth foundation of mindfulness, noticing the quality of your mind, when we sit on our cushion initially, we notice that our mind has activity. Our mind is a thinking mind. What we're doing by sitting and returning the mindless sensation of breathing is we're practicing restraint against that activity or, or, or allowing that activity to occur and not attaching anything else to it. We're just interrupting it with breath. And that's the process of stalking entry yeah. into the four foundation or the four states of jhana. I, I liked how you said that. That was the word I was looking for. So thank you. Yeah, and we're no longer distracted by the, as we used the word yesterday, the phenomena of our own thoughts. Yeah, that's the activity, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 feelings arise and thoughts flow. We're sensitive and conscious beings. So that, that's that's what it means to be a human being. But to not be not be directed by our thoughts, we are we direct our thoughts. That's that's really what it means. It's such an important point that you brought up um, and that we're talking about. But what's what's remarkable is the level of understanding that we all have here about this too it's 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 obvious but it's also very very subtle isn't it you know what what this really means so great discussion okay i mean i love the question becky i mean look at everything it just opened up and if you think about that everything that was just said about what's to happen in jhana meditation and on your cushion and through your practice, you develop the muscle and the rigor to mm. then integrate this into your life off the cushion. Yeah. And that's the importance of, you know, meditation isn't this separate thing. It's an exercise that grounds us, that exercises the muscles to be able to do this and no longer be reacting to the world and phenomena and things that we all react to, that begins to lessen and lessen. And then you start looking forward to getting back to your meditation and it becomes a cycle that feeds and uh, reassures you like forward. Um, Because when you you have these experiences on the cushion, but then when you have them off the cushion, you're really starting to live a life. And that's that's the hard part, you know, is to make sure you don't let this cycle of rigor and practice and integration get interrupted or distracted. That's, of course, what happens to us as humans, but it underscores the significance of the daily practice. Yeah, yeah. That's where the concentration Well said, is. Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Dr. Kevin. Where's Kevin? Hi, how are you doing? Hello, everybody. Yeah, there's Dr. Kevin. So thank you very much for this teaching, Matt. It's very clear. And um, it just, I can only echo how, you know, how profound it is that there's so much understanding in this Zoom room, getting this concept. Um, one thing I think about is, um, it just makes my heart beat stronger when I hear all everybody's comments too, but I think about Buddha's open hand. I mean, this is a, it's such a foundational teaching and the Buddha puts it right there and clearly says, this is my Dhamma. This is what should be thought about that by those who want to be awakened and, uh, and it's put forth very clearly, and I can see the understanding in our Sangha. So thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Mike. Uh, hi, everybody. Good morning, Michael. Uh, I'm all over the place with my notes, so I'm going to try to patch them together, make some sense out of them. Maybe with the help of the Sangha, maybe to something today. <laughs> Surely. All right. Uh, I actually I like this part in here. Uh, uh, and it actually takes place in the, the fourth jhana. Um, as concentration deepens, 
further, they enter and remain in the fourth jhana. Mindful equanimity prevails. Greed and aversion disappear. This is the development of concentration that brings peace and calm here and now. That greed and aversion disappearing at this level of uh, concentration, what we're trying to develop and actually uh, be able to um, experience this off the cushion, we establish it on the cushion, but we, we're uh, developing the skill of uh, deepening concentration for off the, off the cushion as, as we go through our lives and uh, we deal with the self-created phenomena that we uh, uh, place into it. So this is for, uh, it says again, uh, this is development of concentration that brings peace and calm here and now. And the Buddha has said this many, many times, here and now. The Dhamma is practiced in the here and now. And that is in the present moment. That's why uh, jhana is so important to develop that concentration, to keep out the entanglements mm-hmm. that entangle us, or we allow ourselves to entangle ourselves uh, in. So, if we can do that, you know, through this concentration, then we can remove those things. Uh, we can become actually see them for what they are, and also uh, realize that they, that they are a distraction to what we're trying to do. We become disenchanted and dispassionate at that time in the present moment. And that gives us the clarity to hold in mind the Eightfold Path. So, concentration. Well said, Michael. Well said. Thank you. Julia. Hello, everybody. Good good morning. Thank you, Matt, for the uh, teaching. I have no. I have notes. I'm going to have to read my notes because otherwise I'll be scattered, which I really don't like when I, I when my mind is everywhere. But I, I see this Sikha Sutta as a recipe. It's a recipe for liberation. Yeah. Um, you can actually see all the all the things and 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 how the Buddha links everything together. And he you know he starts with height height and virtue um, first because those are the things that we can actually control now, you know, those are the things we can control now. The practice, of course, is the heightened concentration and the heightened wisdom is the ultimate one, is the one that is the hardest because (coughs) of the mind being so conditioned and in ignorance. And so this is what I wrote. Um, The three trainings of the Dharma relates to the release from the suffering of dependent origination through the practice of the Eightfold Path. So it's directly linked. You could see that all, all these, you practice one thing to eliminate and dissolve these other things. Um, by right speech, right action, right livelihood, we augment heightened virtue. And by augmenting heightened virtue, we cultivate wise restraint at the sixth sense base. And no longer do we identify ourselves with what the senses or the mind notices. So feelings will arise and pass away without our attachment to them. So you could see that those links from the pen origination uh, at point of contact, the feelings, how they arise, uh, the rebirth of another moment of <clears throat> ignorance ends aging, sickness, and death. Those are eliminated just like that. But we have to practice right speech, right action, and right mm-hmm. livelihood to augment virtue. Um, by right effort, right mindfulness, right consciousness, we augment heightened concentration which allows our mind to become secluded from sensory pleasures. Our mind in seclusion is now calm, peaceful, non-distracted, and is present, no longer moving to the past or the future, thereby no longer clinging and craving and becoming further ignorance. So by establishing uh, uh, in jhana um, the space that we need to be able to discern and witness ourselves, um, we can control um, clinging and craving and no longer become further ignorant Um, by right view right intention we augment heightened wisdom we abandon ignorance and we dissolve the first three links of dependent origination of ignorance fabrications and consciousness so finally um we are now in right view by 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 doing that um heightened wisdom is mentioned last as it is established once we persistently with diligence and steadfastness are absorbed in jhana with the needed refined mindfulness to practice wise restraint so that's my whole feel <laughs> I, I hope that kind of 
I hope I didn't confuse everybody even more. No, that was um, brilliant, Julia, really. Outstanding. Oh, thank yeah, thank you. I actually made a chart. I thought that the easiest way to look at the Sika Sutta, this was a while ago that I had made this chart. I sent it to you, John, remember? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. Because when I saw I saw that the pieces were all linking together, and I, I had to understand the bigger picture, you know, and um, I had to understand that uh, the Eightfold Path actually augments these these uh, heightened, heightened virtue, heightened concentration, and heightened wisdom, and it actually you know, helps us uh, eliminate dependent origination and finally become liberated. Yeah, that's, yes, that's, that's, that, that's the Dawa. <laughs> yes. Well said, Julia. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. David, teacher David. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for Thanks your teaching. Yours, David. I often learn the most from newer people through <laughs> their difficulties because the practices of difficulties and I often get the, the most insight from people like Eric and Kate and as they mm. struggle and when I first sat it was almost like a, a chain on a dog and the directive thought was jerking me back into concentration and that's a tough road right there that, to be at that early stage of trying to learn the terms and learn the concepts and, you know, this <clears throat> linear need to understand what they all mean. And then the slow realization that, as John often says, you can't piecemeal it together. You can't take one thing on week one and, worry about my right speech on week four. They all work together. They all support each other. You know, right views an entry point and a final, you know, realization that you're abandoning these things that only you control. You know, that that pain is your pain, not the pain from outside. So I I always appreciate listening to everybody, but certainly the, the new folks are probably the ones I enjoy and get the most out of. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, David. I have heard from Kate, by the way, uh, recently. She's still recovering from hip surgery, but she hopes to join us again soon. So. Aloha, Meg. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for um, leading this discussion. And, uh, I've really gotten a lot out of it. And um, I like Julia's description of it being like a recipe. Um, I can relate to that because I like to cook. And, um, you know, it's nice to know that it, you can look at it like, oh, yeah, it is a step-by-step -step process. And it's so bizarre that as people we get... <clears throat> so um confused in our lives you know that we don't realize that this is all so simple you know and and i was thinking about it um it's kind of like the difference between being self-conscious and being self-aware and it's like when you're self-conscious you know like when you walk into a party and you don't know anybody and you're like oh my god is my hair okay do i look okay i mean do people think i look weird or you know and then, and then just getting back in my body and and paying attention to where i am you know it's a totally different experience you know and then i can be engaging so it's like being self-conscious when i'm meditating and my thoughts are flying here and there and and I'm con I'm self-conscious of those thoughts, but then I pull myself back into my body and I realize I'm so much more than that. And it's like so simple, you know, to, to be able to get grounded into the world that I'm actually in instead of some, you know, something that's not even real. You know? yeah. It's so simple. I don't know why we make it so complicated. And I feel like I do that all the time. I make it so complicated. 
So this recipe has really helped me in some of the most difficult situations in my life that are actually so, you know, they're just ordinary situations, you know, that I can, I can just take a breath. And it's like, when you take a breath, it's like our lungs, you know, are the one organ that's actually connected to the world that we're in, right? Because every time we take a breath, we connect, reconnect with not just our body, but the world that we're in, you know? And, um, and that's what I think is so powerful about it. It's just, and so simple at the same time, taking a breath. So that's, that's all I have. It's great insight, Megan. When we, when we take that breath in that moment, we stop taking things personally. And that, right. that, that is what simplifies life. It's what complicates life is by me sticking myself into it or in, in, in Dhamma terms, entangling myself intentionally in life. And when I take a breath, when I step out of it, I'm no longer taking it personally. And everything is simple because there's, there's literally nothing occurring except what's occurring. And as human beings, we understand that. We, we, we have the ability to understand what's occurring in the moment. We don't have the ability to understand what's going to happen in the future. And, and because of the way a mind is conditioned, we really can't understand the past very clearly either. So if we want to know what, we, what our lives are like as human beings, we must be present with our life as our life occurs. And that is a very simple matter. So thank you, Meg, for bringing that out. Thank you, Meg. Thank you, John. That was well said. You know, and just to, to sort of piggyback on that, you know, where where do we breathe? Mm. We don't breathe in the future. We don't breathe in the past. We breathe here, now. So coming back to the sensation of breathing in our bodies, like we hear on our meditation description, our instructions, that's bringing us into what's occurring now. Mm in our bodies, in our minds, in the world. Not trying to manage something that hasn't happened yet and not trying to fix something that's already happened. Yeah. Well said, Matt. Um, Andrew, let's check back in. Andrew. I don't think Andrew has a a mic available to him. Okay. It looks like he doesn't. Maura, good morning. Good morning. Um... How are you? Hi, Matt. And hi, everybody. Hi, Maura. Matt's face is big on the screen right now. Now John's face is. Um, but uh, so I um, I will just add the smallest thing because I wasn't able to join, you know, last night and today because of other obligations. And I kept trying to read last night, and I've fallen asleep, and I woke up in the middle, and I had a terrible dream as a result. I don't know what, but um, so, but one of the things in the most simplest way when you're, I, I have found that, um, <laughs> does Bodhi hear my voice? He hears you. He's, he's, he's looking for you. <laughs> Where is she? Where is she? She's um, right there. Look. I had a bad dream about dogs last night. So oh. Good. Um, but uh, in the on the simplest thing, um, I've uh, so piggybacking into kind of what you know where I can gather we are, okay. but on a very simple level, the conditioning of um, you know the like the the further deepening and development of concentration and mindfulness and how they work together um is is quite effective and in that strength of mindfulness and concentration on the cushion off the cushion i find that the act of coming of what i love what meg said again that this this um a very simple look at self-consciousness versus self-awareness and the what the the returning as mindfulness brings back you know this directed attention towards awareness 
I find that the three marks just become really um, obvious. Uh, right there, boom, you know, it's just Anita Anatadukha. And that is, and, and then there's a sense of ease which conditions, you know, the next few moments. So it's um, on a very simple level, just during the day that I, you know, I think we all find that the, the more integrated this simple, very simple embodied practice is that there is such greater ease and responsiveness in life. Mm. Um, it just becomes effortless. So there is effort. We need to apply it appropriately. And through that effortlessness appears on and off, in and out. Mindfulness shows us where we are. Um, and brings us back um, to hmm, what's occurring. Ah, there's tension. Yeah, it's um, it's it's just such a delightful way of being. So mm. um, that's all I have to add. Thank you, Moore. Thank you, Moore. Yeah, I think there, you know, in what you said there, that the effort and effortlessness that there's part of that in this. Um, directed thought and equanimity. Mm. You know, when there's effort getting started, entering the first jhana, coming back to the sensation of breathing in the body. When we deepen our concentration into the third and fourth jhana, equanimity arises naturally. There's no effort there. Mm. That's natural. That's literally jhana. That's meditative absorption. Yeah. And that's naturally arising. So thank you for that. Mm. Hey, Matt. Yeah, David. And to go back to, you touched on the, the precepts. Mm. And it takes a healthy body, a rested body, to be in this practice. Mm. Because I think I mentioned this once, that you feel like you're calming yourself but is it being mistaken for, are you a little tired? And I think there's a practical training that the Buddha and his, his main teachers were working on with the young and new uh, monks, because it does take an, an effort and maybe it's not right effort, but it's the effort that it takes to, you know, be prepared. And Jen mentioned this, take that set seriously and have right intention. What are you there for? And there's some practical things you need to take care of. Are you rested? Do you have a mind that's clear, you know, that clarity yeah. that so when you are aware that it isn't just, you know, the hindrance of being a little drowsy. So I'm glad you added that as well. Thank you, David. That was excellent. Yeah. Thanks, David. Josh, good morning, my friend. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you, man. Hey, Josh. I've really enjoyed all the comments from everybody this morning. You know, uh, when, I, when I was reading about the four stages of jhana, I, when I first read them, I just get this feeling, I'll, I'll never get there. <laughs> That's going to be too hard for me. And, and uh, then, there, then the other thought occurs to me, I don't know, you know, I watch way too much TV, but there's a commercial and there's a chorus in the background that goes, I want it all and I want it now. <laughs> And there was a time in my life when I was younger that I tried to do get it all and get it now, and I was a colossal failure. <laughs> Best thing to fail at. <laughs> but I think it was Mary who was saying that, and, and, and John is, is told us, you know, this, 
this isn't a, a dash. It's a it's a marathon that we uh, have to kind of like any other goal. We have to kind of spend some effort and training and discipline and 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 uh, patience. And uh, I do know that. I don't know where I'm in the stages of John, to tell you the truth. But, uh, I do know that if I can interrupt my circuits once in a while, my thought process by doing jhana, something good happens. And I don't, I can't put my finger on that, but it, but it, uh, uh, I know if I stick around and listen uh, that, that I, I'm, my life is getting better and, and, um, uh, that's all I can say for sure right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. And that's enough that you recognize it. But I would I would say that every one of you, of us here, um, has experienced all four levels of jhana. Even that the last uh, um, instruction to notice the quality of your mind, just doing that is being in the fourth level of, of mindfulness. And the other three levels are simply what we do in meditation. The first level is being mindful of the breath and the body, directing our thought in that way. And then being mindful of feelings arising and passing away and thoughts arising and passing away and not being distracted by that, by that process. Those are the first three levels of jhana. And so, they're again, they, they sound uh, almost magical or mystical, but they're all very practical. And we all experience them every time we meditate. Um, and so, like Josh just said, though, it's important to recognize that, that you are actually experiencing these levels of jhana, but each level has its own depth uh, uh, of character as well. Um, so in that way, it's almost, um, I was going to say it's almost an infinite practice, but it, it would, I think a better word is it's a timeless practice, because I, that concentration as it relates to our human life is something that's always unfolding, isn't it? It's not. It's not a static state. There's not. There's not a, a level of concentration that we can attain and stay there, because that wouldn't relate to human life and and impermanence, would it? So we're always deepening and strengthening our concentration. But every meditation session, if we're, if we're doing, if you're following the guidance that, as Matt directed earlier, you are entering each level of jhana. But then there's again, as I said, there's a there's a, a, a quality of depth there too that that is developed. So. Thank you, John. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Kevin. Good morning, everyone. Really enjoyed the sort of thread and the, the rope that we've been pulling through the, the retreat so far, and uh, all of your contributions. Um, really liked the sutta mat and you know it, it there's a couple of sort of directions in here and we talked about the fourth foundation of mindfulness noticing the quality of our mind well that that's what we described uh, just as the intro class a couple of nights ago having mm-hmm. an auspicious day is when we're able to notice the quality of our mind and be fully present with life as life occurs and, and that's mentioned here and the three trainings allow us, to, or these trainings allow us to do that. And to notice the quality of our mind, we need to have persistence, steadfastness, absorption in jhana, refined mindfulness, and the wise restraint to be in the world. And, and the final line of this sutta is very profound. We need that wise restraint that we develop through jhana meditation on our cushion to, be, to hold in mind and make the four foundations of mindfulness useful to help mm-hmm. Notice the quality of our mind. That's what we need to do. We notice that activity. And as Meg said, we notice when it's just thought or if it's self-directed thought. We, we're taught in this practice to go to the origination. And the Buddha mentions that. Cessation of craving for self-satisfaction extinguishes the fires of passion. The fires of passion are the passion for things to be different than they are. Yeah. That's not living moment by moment as life occurs. We're craving for things to be different. We're craving for that self-awareness or consciousness, excuse me, as Meg said, versus the self-awareness. So I liked how that was said and appreciate everybody's contribution. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, 
thanks for re-highlighting that the last line of that sutta that that um you know and as we saw in in the first sutta yesterday that's what's to be abandoned yes yes i mean the second noble truth is craving originates originates what originates stress and suffering from ignorance of four noble truths that's that's what we're looking for as you said matt yes that's that's where we need to go and when we sit initially we have some place to go we come in as with a mind that's active we brought stuff in from the world or we're looking for stuff and that's just we got a mind as ram was saying we need to baseline okay and then teacher jen said we're going to go through a process here with our practice and that's what we do so really great can, can i add a little nerd fact <laughs> uh, so i i had i had um, heard at one point that contemplate and meditate like there was that it had this latin origin in templum and I wasn't sure like, well, what does that mean? So to, to look at, so apparently, and this relates to auspicious day. So there were augers and I'll get it wrong and Matt or somebody correct me, but there were, there were people that were hired by like the Roman empire to, um, to, to stay their gaze at a certain area in the sky and watch the flight of birds. And this would determine events and such like this. Um, and they were, so they were the augers and the templum is their space that they walk, that that was like their container. And it was, um, Auspice, and so auspicious was in there too. That this were the auspices or something. I got I have to get that part right. But like I was, and I remember this whole. That's where auspicious day like comes from. An auspicious to to. So mindfulness is this, you know, this space that holds what we're focused. You know, where our directed thought is going. Like so, I. That image of the augers looking, you know, staying in mindfulness, holding that container, being at the gates um, of the sense doors and seeing clearly, you know, what's going on. I just found it very um, delightful to tie all those three things together. Um, that's, so that's it. Great. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, yeah, that, that, you know, we, we learn here that mindfulness is, is what we hold in mind. And depending on what we're holding in mind, what we're mindful of, that will affect the quality of our mind. So when we hold in mind these three trainings for liberation, the quality of our mind becomes calm. And then we've been liberated from the stress of self-centered conditioned thinking or wrong mindfulness. No. That's right. There, there is, it, the, the Buddha teaches a very refined uh, level of mindfulness, and that it basically comes down to, well, not basically, it comes down to being mindful of the Eightfold Path and really nothing else. That's what referred to yesterday and even in this sutta. We know what to, what to develop, but also we know what to abandon. Um, did we hear from Melissa yet? Yes. We did? Okay. I think we heard from everyone then, didn't we? And uh, Andrew, I know you're, it, it looks like you don't have a, a, a mic available to you, but I'm glad you were able to join us this morning. Um, Matt, thank you so much for a wonderful session. Uh, our next session is at one o'clock, um, led by Kevin. Uh, but these are really remarkable. I was just thinking about something during this morning's session. Maura would remember this too. We used to go up to... Um, Zen Mountain Monastery, and I don't mean this in any way to, to diminish or denigrate uh, Zen Mountain Monastery, but there used to be uh, Sunday sessions with about 150 people. <clears throat> and our, if, if I remember correctly, they had a teaching staff of three or four people. We have a Sangha here of 18 people, and we have five teachers on board. I think that's just remarkable. And, um, and really, we have you could say we have 17 or 18 teachers here because you have you all have such a, a level of understanding 
Um, it really is remarkable, and, and I, it, it's it's never lost on me. But maybe um, uh, it, it, I think it's becoming more and more um, noticeable or palpable. Uh, and I said it again last night how we're as a sangha we're so supportive of each other's development of the Dhamma. Uh, it really is remarkable, and it's it's just uh, from my end, it's wonderful to be a part of it. You know, so, um, Matt, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Um, no, I I think that I just want to thank everybody for again a wonderful morning, great discussion, um, really really good to hear everyone's understanding, and uh, you know, sangha. Sangha gets it done. This is this isn't the Sangha three jewels it. for nothing. <laughs> we, we help each other. We we help each other understand and uncover yeah. these um, you know very important and sometimes confusing and sometimes difficult understandings, comprehensions that that the Buddha taught. Yeah. So um, again, everybody, keep up the great work, and uh, we'll see you at one p.m. Yeah, and b before you go, how how is your uh, practice of integrating the eightfold path moment by moment, um, and particularly how is right speech? Does anybody have anything that they'd like to say about being mindful of their speech over this weekend? Or maybe we can talk about that after the one o'clock session, though, because that's you know keep keep your focus there on on living within the framework of the eightfold path in between our sessions as best you can, and uh, we'll all see you at one o'clock. So. Peace. Peace. Bye, everybody. Bye. Yeah, and the uh, and the meeting room will be open uh, as we always do about fifteen minutes before the beginning of of any of our classes. So, see you later. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.